0: This is the Saucer Afterlife, in which we look at some things that didn't make it into the regular episodes and some things that maybe shouldn't have made it into any regular episodes today. Thanks to the uh, the work of one of our listeners, uh, Martin K., who has many resources and many things and has shared some of them with me, we've got another issue of the Woodrew Update uh, from Greta Woodrew and the Star Foundation. Uh, you'll remember us uh, discussing Greta Woodrew's books Um, On a slide of light and memories of tomorrow in an episode from, gosh, I think a a couple years ago now, or or maybe just a year. I'm not sure, but um, it's linked in the show notes as are our other Woodrew Update updates. Now, the the reason it's called the Woodrew Update update is because she published a newsletter called, unsurprisingly, the Woodrew Update. And it's always got some interesting things in it. This one is volume six, number one, the September-October issue from 1986. And on the front page, we've got um, Dick, her husband, Dick Smolo. Uh, we've got his uh, his birthday party. It was, she says, a birthday party to end all birthday parties. Um he was given a uh, a wall unit depicting an Alaskan scene. I think that's what we usually call a picture. And, um, quote, I presented him with a piglet named E.I., as in E-I-E-I-O. Pigs are a much maligned species, she goes on to say. They're very clean, smart, trainable animals. And this lovable little creature made herself right at home in the llama slash sheep pen. I'm no livestock farmer, but, you know, keep your pigs and your llamas separate. That's... That's gonna be uh, that's gonna be trouble. But the the big news about this birthday party is that Tari, the alien, shows up, talks to Dick for twenty minutes about the near universe, and um, then she brings in a Gatte or G A T T A E. I think it's one of those spacecraft. Um, quote: close enough to see its whirling colors, but not near enough to see beyond the elliptical shape of the spacecraft. Dick's myopia precluded his seeing too distinctly so Tari passed a hand in front of his eyes and his vision expanded immediately and miraculously. Well, that's a hell of a thing, isn't it? Wonderful. Um somebody fix my eyes. Tari, come on. Get with it. So, you know, we've we've got some um we've got some stuff with Tari and the Ogatons. There's some other stuff in here. There's another thing. This is really interesting. This is on page 2. Subscriber subscriber scribing's it's um you know sort of the, the the write-in page and one of the the updaters as she calls her members um, writes in and it's a guy named Mark Goodkind. And he worked at the manned space program at Kennedy Space Center from '61 to '80. Worked for Martin Marietta, Grumman Aerospace, and uh, was the launch test coordinator on Gemini, uh, the lunar module man- manager for Apollo 11, and the operations for Sky- operations manager rather for Skylab and the shuttle programs. And this is about the Challenger disaster from earlier in 1986. In late eighty-five, Goodkind had written in the newsletter, quote, The STS, also known as the Shuttle, was born of necessity. NASA desperately wanted to make space accessible and profitable, while the Air Force, under great budget pressure, needed a reliable, inexpensive way to place and retrieve super secret spy satellites. Shuttle is still far from cost effective and probably will remain that way until the government gets out of the business and private industry takes over and does what it does best make a profit end quote from the previous issue and then he says perhaps the challenger tragedy will be an impetus toward that happening well that's dynamite and then he goes on to say that that you know what he's never really told anybody is that he left the shuttle program in 1980 because quote of an intuitive feeling that things were not right and over disagreement about how corners were being cut and also he didn't want to lose any more friends like gus grissom he says who died in a, a training accident good can uh, renounces recounts the uh january 1986 uh, destruction of the challenger and um again you know for for people of of my age that's sort of the one of those seminal childhood memory points but then he goes on to say and this is this is weird or yeah it's weird quote challenger was doomed long ago the 24 quote good shuttle flights which preceded it were apparently random successes We now know that there were many near misses in those missions, and in fact, the very solid rocket motor failure that caused this accident had almost caused a similar catastrophe in the second shuttle flight back in November 1981, end quote. So, okay, I'm not a math guy, but if we look at in January 1986, there were 24 successful shuttle flights where no one died and nothing exploded, and then we have one that is, I, I'm sort of banking on the idea that the Challenger was more of an anomaly than the 24 different things that preceded it, but I'm no statistician. So he concludes this by saying, quote, would any of this have happened if private industry was managing the space program instead of NASA? I doubt it. Profit is a great incentive and CEOs don't get their positions by losing gambles. End quote. I'll just leave that there um because i don't want to start any fights but just ceos don't get their positions by losing gambles i i think we can find some examples to to counter that idea so just a little a little interesting thing there uh that i thought was uh, that i thought was fascinating like many things in the woodrow update it has very little to do with aliens or things like that um other other things going on. there's some stuff about the Tesla power system, which is almost cliched to talk about. But two things, two other things that jumped out at me were um, both on page five of this update. Uh, there's a little recap of some Earth changes predictions. That were passed along from Ramth, Ramtha, channeled by Ramtha, and uh, we haven't covered the whole Ramtha thing on the uh, on the show yet, but uh, we will at some point. Um, it's, uh, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, a, a being that channeled information through among um, I think primarily a, a person named Jay Z Knight. So um, just a, a little bit of evidence that uh, even, even if Woodrow wasn't a you know, Ramtha supporter or follower, and the, I, I, we haven't gotten into it in depth. I won't throw the word cult around willy-nilly, but um, it was at least something she paid attention to. And the, the final thing, she mentions a couple of updaters, a couple of members and, and supporters that uh, that were doing interesting things. One of them was Bill Jenkins, who we, we know was the host of the radio program Open Mind. Uh, we mentioned him on our Greta Woodruff episode, but also in our you know, sort of paranormal radio roundup episode. The other updater she mentioned, and I had to look at this like three or four times before I realized this was something that was actually a real thing. Another member of the Star Foundation a subscriber to her newsletter was psychologist Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Yes, the person who came up with the five stages of grief or not Came up with them. She didn't invent how grief works, but who you know developed that model for the different stages of grief. Elizabeth Kubler Ross was a subscriber to the um, to the, the Woodrow Update, which is something that surprise me. But, you know, she also um, worked with near-death experience stuff, I believe, uh, to a degree. I'm, I'm not up on either near-death experience or uh, famous psychologists of the 20th century, but I'm I'm pretty sure she all, uh, Cuba Ross, did things with um, near-death experience research. So, there it is. A little bit more from the uh, the Woodrew update. Thanks again to Martin K. for uh, finding these and scanning them and, and uh, passing them along to us. Um, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next time.